isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Next week is the very end of school. And then once the kids are out, you know what happens, right? Uh, Off they go. Summer holidays begin and uh, everybody starts traveling. Typically, that's how it works. Now, let's hope it all works out better than it did last summer. You remember last summer? Things were nuts. It got to the point, if you remember, where people were actually putting off travel because they felt it was just it was just too risky, right? You, you didn't know if you were going to get where you'd said you were going. And if you were booking luggage, forget it, especially if you were going through Toronto. It got to the point where some people just decided to drive somewhere. They weren't going to even try flying. It was crazy. So uh, then there was the passport thing on top of that. Remember, a lot of people couldn't get passports. We had the big delay. I think most of those issues have been settled. They've been solved, but it was crazy. So what about this year? Uh, how are things shaping up? We've got big changes in the airlines, right? WestJet buying um, Sunwing this week and announcing that Swoop will be no more, the discount airline. What does that mean for airfares? Should you buy travel insurance? A lot of questions if you're thinking about heading out this summer. And here to help us with some answers is Marty Firestone, president of Travel Secure. Marty, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope, I hope I have all the answers for you. There's so much. It's crazy. Why don't we, okay, let's break it down. Let's start with the recent changes when it comes to airlines. Uh, all of it to do with WestJet, of course. You got Swoop shut down by WestJet. Uh, Sunwing bought by WestJet. So what do you think that's going to mean for travelers this summer? Again, depending on who you ask, you'll get two different answers. My gut reaction would be that there is going to be higher fares in the offing. Maybe in the short term, there'll be uh, lower fares to uh, attract people to the WestJet new regime there. But at the end of the day, less competition means only one thing. That means higher prices. Now, speak to the WestJet side of things. They seem to think that they'll be able to run more efficient, have planes now that will have uh, full capacity on them. When a plane would break down on sunwing days back back in December, there was no plane to replenish it. So people sat there for five days. Now WestJet says we have lots of planes. We'll be able to send one right down there and get the people. So it, it could go both ways, but I think at the end of the day, the prices will go up compared to what they used to be with swoop and sunwing vacations. Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at it, the reason that they've decided to do away with swoop is it never made them any money. So uh, why, why would you just... They- then adopt those same sort of, um, you know, break even at best and lose money most of the time fares on the main airline. You might offer some of them. You may be able to get discounts, but I think it's going to be a little tougher to find. Well, not only that, they just did have to settle a potential strike situation and offer 24% more in salaries over the next four years. So if it wasn't making money then, it's for sure not going to be making money the future. So that answers that question pretty quickly. Some of the other issues, Marty, and uh, and there's many. Uh, I think the passport thing is pretty much settled. Um, but what are you anticipating this summer? Are we going to run into the same kinds of issues we had last summer? Because it did not go smoothly for Canadians. Not even close. I really think we're past 
so many of those problems. As you say, passport offices and lineups, there's nothing crazy about that now. Nexus, definitely something that people should look into and get if they don't have it. It's just going to move lines so much quicker, and you will get concierge-type service, if that's the right word I'm using. But at the end of the day, the baggage problems, the backups, I always said it's a domino effect. Now, if we don't have the problems with delays, then it's not going to be a baggage pileup. And if it's not going to be a baggage pileup, we're not going to have half the problems we had. So, no, I think our problems are behind us in that respect. Excellent. That's encouraging. That's good. Still, uh, I think uh, people view travel insurance differently than they did prior to the pandemic. It became so much more important. And there's different kinds. Let's walk through it a little bit here. Maybe you can help us get a better understanding because there's, there's more than one kind of travel insurance, right? When we say travel insurance, I think typically we mean medical emergencies, but it goes beyond that. How many different kinds are there? Oh, so so the biggest one and the one that most people are used to is emergency medical. So the minute you leave Canada, the minute you cross that border into a Buffalo or anywhere you go, you can't have you need coverage or you are in big trouble and you can end up in a U.S. hospital at twenty five thousand dollars a day. So that is emergency medical insurance. Can't leave Canada without it. But what has become very popular, and that's what our discussion was about, was the need now for cancellation and interruption because you don't know. You get sick the night before you leave. You never know. Okay, so let's go through those. Cancellation insurance and interruption, they're different? No, it's a package. Basically, they could be different, but at the end of the day, when you buy cancellation insurance, it does have an element of interruption in it. What's interruption? Cancellation up to the minute you're supposed to walk on the plane, and then you can't. Interruption, you're already at your destination, and you have to come back early, or you have to stay longer. Okay, in terms of cause for cancellation or interruption, does it matter? I mean, what what does this cover you for? The biggest thing, and this is all that anybody should believe in, is you traveling companion or family member gets ill or even worse god forbid passes away that's your number one reason for needing to cancel a trip and that will be honored by the insurers and there's very little gray area there assuming that 60 days prior to buying the insurance policy there was not a reason to believe you had any expectations of needing to use it meaning you didn't just find out that god forbid someone's terminal and that you may not be able to go on this trip then it's too late but assuming you are all fine and no issues But the day before, you break your leg, you come down with the stomach flu, you do this, you do that, you'll be fully covered for the amount that you insure yourself for. Interruption uh, insurance, would that help Like if you get stuck somewhere? And we've heard stories like that. People got wherever they were going but couldn't get home. Does that help there? 100%. 100%. It would cover costs of accommodations, expenses, okay. and fare, fare home. So that's what interruption is all about. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I think the biggest barrier in some of the surveys I read by TD and stuff were a lot of people saying it just doesn't make sense economically. How much does it cost? Like, what what's a reasonable expectation for yeah. how much that kind of insurance would cost you? Typically, seven to eight percent of the sum insured so if you were booking a trip and you were going to europe and it was ten thousand dollars out of your pocket that is all non-refundable at some point whether it be 90 days 60 days or 30 days before you can look at if the trip was ten thousand you could be looking at seven hundred dollars to insure that ten thousand and some will say i'm i'm not going to do that that's a lot of money but you know what losing ten thousand because the day before you come down with COVID or something like that and you can't go on the trip all of a sudden then that insurance will look awfully good to you but it's too late needless to say if you buy it after the fact how important of a consideration can you get help with that because like you say if you've got a ten thousand dollar trip book you know what it's going to be worth every penny if something happens but if you're going away for the long weekend or something like that i mean how can you get some help in sort of determining where what is worth it what or is it 
should you just do it as a blanket? We're going to do it for any travel. I mean, or is there distinctions there? Typically, I say to people, nothing wrong with self-insurance at some point when you could say, I could live with walking away from $2,500. I wouldn't be happy. But what I can't live with is exposing myself to $21,000 of risk and then finding out the day before I can't go away because, God forbid, a child is ill or an elderly parent is ill. I don't know how anybody can, quite frankly, go away without insuring it when you're talking those kind of dollars because... Otherwise, you will walk away from it. As clearly as it says it's non-refundable, that's all you should be insuring. If airfare is going to be returned to you and only a small penalty or cancellation fee, then only insure that fee, not the full airfare flight. So insure what is 100% non-refundable. Hey, Marty, a couple of people on the text line. It's a good question. What about credit cards? My, my credit card says that I get this kind of insurance and that kind of insurance. I mean, if you use the right credit card, do you not have to worry about this? Credit cards, I I hate as being the foundation of anybody's insurance, okay? But having said that, if it clearly states that you have it, then you only have to ask one question. I have to understand the terms and conditions. What's the stability clause? Can I, will this pay if I had a change within a week before I was supposed to go and now I have to cancel it? These are the things you need to know. And the dollar amount they're insuring, many only go up to 2,500. Many only go up to 5,000. You have a trip that's 21,000. Is it covering you for the whole 21,000? I don't think so. So look into it. Ask some questions and make sure. And be prepared to sit on the phone for three hours. Because remember, <laughs> the credit card companies do not aren't in the insurance business. They lay it off to an alliance of the world or a manulife of the world. And all of a sudden, they take no responsibility. So you have to be careful to say, I'm calling alliance myself. I'm telling them I have a credit card with so-and-so. I have to understand the terms and exactly what is going to happen if, in fact, I have to cancel that trip. Excellent. Awesome advice, as always. Thank you, Marty.